0: I have with me Melissa Joan and David Humphreys, two Americans living here in Prague, who have started the Strong Sense of Place podcast, which takes you around the world through books and through talking about books using the medium of the internet. Thank you for joining me today, David and Melissa. Pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk about Prague and books.
0: We'll be talking about their podcast, uh, Prague, books about Prague, and much, much more. Don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast and donate via our Buy Me A Coffee page. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, it's ideas and ideals, And a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. So, obviously, you're in Prague, so the very first episode was about Prague. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a no-brainer, I think.
1: We decided to start with Prague because we love this city so much, but also our goal is to hit every continent and at least one U.S. state in every season of the show.
0: You're going to be doing this for the next 50 years. Yeah, we're going to be at it for a long
1: time. (laughs) (laughs) So, we did a bunch of research on what the most popular travel destinations are outside of the United States. And Prague, of course, comes very close to the top of that list, depending on which list you're looking at. So that, again, was just kind of a nice coincidence that we could start with something that felt familiar that we really love. And it's a place people are really interested in hearing about.
2: Yeah. And we wanted to start close to home, you know give ourselves sort of a leg up in the production of the first one and we also used the opportunity to bring in mark baker who's a friend of ours and a travel writer and and, uh he was gracious enough to come in and talk to us too and that was nice
0: little note for listeners uh there's a previous interview with mark uh, about the book he wrote uh all about his early days here under communism and then kind of sort of during the velvet revolution though he wasn't actually in the country for it uh so you check the episode notes for it links to that In the Prague one, I thought it was you said the Two Truths and the Lies just a way to kinda of get in stories that maybe maybe wouldn't come up in a in a discussion about books. I thought it was quite nice the ones that you chose for the Prague episode, the the fact that there is a replica of the astronomical clock and in fact the entire old town town hall in Seoul Korea I've seen it oh have you yeah we went there uh, we'd heard about it we were in Seoul and uh, we were like oh we got to go see this and it's also it's the it's the Czech cultural center and, I mean, it really is a replica of Old Town Hall. And then you go in and it's a restaurant. And, of course, it's, you know, it's Korea. So they have calamari. And, but there's a huge Czech beer scene in Seoul, Korea. We went to a pub called John and Pivo. Huh. That was the only place that, seriously, that's what it's called. It's the only place that sells Boudvar in the city. And there are all these other places. Like really, There was a place that sold Tordelnik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And I think this is because partly in the sort of commercial district and, and entertainment quarter over by the university where the replica of the town hall is, that was built by a guy who just loves Prague for some reason. I guess he must have come here sometime in the 90s. But the Koreans are really into it because there's a very famous television show that I think it's third maybe installment has the lovers uh, go off to Prague. One of them escapes to Prague and the other one follows and they fall in love. And so Prague is very much in the Korean zeitgeist. Koreans come here to get married on Old Town Square. Wow. Really?
1: That's adorable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, keep in mind for us, we go, oh, let's go to Osaka and and uh kyoto and these are kind of exotic places for us in bangkok well this is exotic for them right yeah sure Sure. This architecture and and all of this, and I and I was also very happy that you you bring up the architecture a little bit in your Prague episode because it is one of the things that makes this city so unique and gorgeous. That it is this, it's like a museum of hundreds of years of European architecture.
2: Yeah, I mean, I always say that Prague is as beautiful as as it is because artists and craftsmen have been working on making Prague beautiful for hundreds of years, and it's true. You walk down the street, you look up; it's it's lovely. And everywhere. And it always seems like there's something new, right? I've lived in this neighborhood now for almost five years, and I can still leave and walk around the block and and find some detail that I've missed that I didn't see that I forgot about. It's it's lovely.
0: Yeah, it kind of depends on the way the light is, the time of the year, the time of day, and the light hits that building a block away from your house just right. And you think, has that statue always been there? And the answer is obviously it's always been there. It's a three hundred year old building you're just blind. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. We like to joke how
2: the trolls come out at night and change things around in Prague a little bit so that you can never be entirely sure if you have seen that thing before.
0: Right. Or if we're living if we're living in a computer simulation this is where they uh first experiment with their changes. Stop it.
1: Stop it that is my least favorite idea in the whole world. I re- <laughs> used to think about
2: that. <laughs> I read a book once where the mathematician was basically laying out his argument and saying that of all the possibilities of why we're here, that's the most plausible. Stop and that it. just hurt my brain in a way that I haven't quite gotten over yet. You know,
1: I feel like if I fully embrace that idea, the number of pizzas I would eat would be astronomical.
0: <laughs> because it doesn't matter it anymore. Because it just doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I also really loved that you got in. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I always tell people when they come visit here the story of how Prague Castle got lit from the 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 guy who worked with the Rolling Stones when they were on tour. Yeah, yeah, I love that story. How cool is that?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I love all aspects of that story. It starts with Václav Havel hanging out with the Rolling Stones, which right there, <laughs> how awesome is that? And the stones are like, you know, the castle at night looks a little dim. We should do something about that. And Vaclav is like, I am running a country here. I don't really have time for that. And the stones talk to their lighting director and say, hey, can you do something? And he works overnight, maybe. I don't know. And lights the castle. Like,
1: hangs them up like fairy lights.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So in that first episode about Prague, you mentioned five books, and I, I thought it was interesting the books that you chose. Uh, obviously, you haven't read every single book that is about Prague or set in Prague, and so uh, obviously there's uh, there's a little bit of chance involved in there too. I think it's interesting that you you didn't you didn't do any Kundera books.
1: Yeah, we try to thread the needle with our picks to hopefully introduce people to books that might not come on their radar on their own. So I feel like. Any list that you see about books set in Prague and literature you should consider if you're coming to Prague, the unbearable lightness of being is going to be on there. So books that I feel like people can find on their own, we usually shy away from. However, because it's our show, sometimes we just pick something obvious because we really want to read it.
0: (laughs) But you chose first Prague Noir, which I have heard of, but I didn't realize that uh, you mentioned that it's it's a bunch of short stories by Czech authors. And each one is set in a specific neighborhood.
1: Yeah, that was one of my favorite things about that book. Right at the head of the story, it says what part of the city it takes place in. That's cool. It's really cool. And those stories are, you know, short story collections can be hit or miss. And some of the stories are better than others, but I really enjoyed reading all of them. And it's, a for me, it was a really interesting way to kind of get a check perspective, particularly in a genre that I feel really comfortable in. I read a lot of mysteries and thrillers. So that was really fun to kind of feel like I was getting the inside check look at what those stories would be like.
0: Were those stories 100% fiction or are they based on local legends or do you know?
1: Some of them weave in a little bit of folklore. Some of them weave in real history, but they are, as far as I can tell, all fiction. (laughs)
0: And so I think it's interesting that the second book you talk about is, in fact, a children's book uh, called The Wall by uh, uh, Patel Siesh or Siesh? Sheesh. I don't know. I don't know if he has a hot check in there. Cease. Cease. I believe it's Cease. And he's he's, wa- he's it won awards and, and he's he's uh, done a whole bunch of stuff since he basically emigrated in, in very much the same way that uh, Milos Forman emigrated by going to the United States with permission from the communists and then saying yeah i'm not coming back <laughs>
2: um yeah he has a just a fascinating life in addition to this book the book is a children's book written about basically the years around Prague spring um, so it starts with him uh, going to school and learning how to be a good communist and what that means and then gets into about the same time that he gets to his adolescence, Prague Spring starts up and he starts a rock band and he goes and sees the Beetle, uh, the Beach Boys and, and then the tanks roll in, right? And it's still, for me, like the best retelling of that era that I've seen, right? It, is, it gives you a lot of facts, but it also, here's what it felt like. to to go through that.
0: Right. The the period that's uh, often known as uh, normalization, which is, you know, while so much of the rest of the world in the 1970s, certainly in the Western world, was going through this kind of, Hey, wow, maybe we can be freer than we thought before and more individualistic and more, uh, you know, experimentation with drugs and, and ways of living together and interracial harmonies and uh, gender and this and this. The communist European countries were going through this clampdown where nothing, you know, when I first moved here in 93, I saw this three old guys and a poodle that jumped back and forth through a hoop. Uh, on old town square doing just the most amazing dixieland jazz afterwards i said how did you even learn that authentic a style of dixieland jazz and the guy said because in the 70s it was forbidden so of course we learned it (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly
2: but the the book itself I, I, you know, just have a ton of respect for it. It's an awesome book and it's a children's book. So you sit down to read it and, you know, it's over in 45 minutes. It's got chunks of his diary in it. So you can read through that. It's just a great book. Really lovely book.
0: And then the next book talking about the Prague Spring is in fact a nonfiction. Oh, is it nonfiction or is it a fictional book set during uh, the Prague Spring?
1: It's a novel set during Prague Spring.
0: Right. And this is Simon Maurer, who also did uh, The Glass Room, which is that uh, sort of fictionalized book that was nominated for a booker and all this about the Tugendhat villa in in Brno. And Prague Spring is a follow up book to that where uh, it's basically about the Prague Spring.
1: Yeah. The thing that I loved about this book, okay, first Simon Maurer is a really powerful writer. I feel like he's more on the literary side, but it's really readable and accessible. So for people who are kind of shy about you know, anything with the L word attached to it, I, I mean, I think his books are really fun in addition to having some, it's called it subtext, right? There's a lot going on in the plot, but then there's also the things going on underneath the surface. And Prague Spring is really fun because the plot points, if you describe them, it sounds like an espionage thriller sort of, but there's a lot going on in the characters' minds and in between the characters and big feelings, lots of action and a really visceral description of what it was like to wake up and... Sea Tanks in Wenceslas Square.
0: And it's interesting, Simon Maurer, like I said, he he wrote The Glass Room. He wrote this book about Prague Spring. He also wrote a novel about uh, the great-great-nephew uh, of Gregor Mendel, who was the monk living in the city of Brno that uh, is considered the father of genetics. And then he went and wrote a nonfiction book also about Mendel. So, like, he's got a real attachment to this place.
1: Yeah, he does. And I love, like if you look at his books, like just listening to you describe Mendel's Dwarf, he just seems like a person who is so curious about the world. And then he digs into a subject and writes a novel about it. Yeah. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Now, the next book is by a Polish writer, and it's called Gotland, mostly true stories from half of Czechoslovakia, which uh, is the Czech and Moravian half. Uh, and that's, I mean, it won the, your book prize. Uh, it's obviously Carl Gott is one of the topics because, and for people that don't know, Carl Gott was this, they call him the Czech Elvis, but he's really more like the Czech Tony Bennett, this kind of like old people like him, <laughs> you know, this kind of, he's like a crooner. He's like a communist era crooner, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, he is a crooner. That's right,
0: yeah. And he opened up his home in Prague 6 as a sort of a living museum. He would inhabit part of it, and then the other part people could just walk through, which he finally stopped doing because people kept jumping the ropes and like he's having breakfast in his bathrobe and, oh, somebody wants a selfie. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Tourists are there. But it, you know, the book talks about a bunch of stuff. It talks about Thomas Batya, who's a super interesting character. Uh, it talks about Kafka's niece, who basically she was a front for blacklisted authors. They could use her name to get published under and get paid. Like it's a really interesting collection of nonfiction tales.
2: I agree. <laughs> it's a, it's a really great book. I, it's difficult to find in English right now. Um, but, uh, it is a really great collection of essays from Mario about his sort of, uh, angles on the Czech Republic and you know, how he's, it kind of has the feel of, um, I don't know, anything where, where they're showing you multiple slices of something so that you can get a picture of the whole. But yeah, his like his essay on Bata and the the family was worth the price of admission for me. It was just a it's a really great essay on how they got started, what they had to go through, their exodus to the United States, the return here, um, what happened to that town, and it's told so well. It's told in these little chunks of paragraph so that you kind of get a very like uh, cinematically they would be. Sort of quick cuts through the decades. Um, and I just have a lot of respect for it. And it was, it was a great read. But then there's the other essays in that book, too, which were also just fascinating, right? You're um, reading about Goebbels' mistress and what happened to her. And like you said, Carl Gott's life and opening up his house and sort of comparisons between Gotland and Graceland and how those are the same and also different.
0: You know, I think it's interesting, a lot of these Slavic writers, I mean, we mentioned Kundera, um, uh, I think of some Polish writers as well, Russians not so much, but but the, the rest of the European Slavic writers are very into this, almost like this pastiche uh, method of storytelling of, of, like you said, these little snippets that they don't sometimes they don't even take the time to connect them for you they just assume that you'll do it <laughs> and so it all kind of blends together it's 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 in many ways it's more like czech friends of mine will say i like that style of of writing or even of, of um filmmaking because it's much truer to life and how we remember it
1: For me, it always feels like when you're sitting in the pub and someone's telling you stories from their life, they don't generally start at the beginning and go through the middle to the end, right? You just kind of ping pong around in your life and their life, and then you get a picture of that person, more like a drunken conversation, I guess.
2: Yeah. One of the best biographies I've ever read was a biography about Frank Sinatra called The Way You Wear Your Hat. And that was the same thing where you got little snips of his life and people talking about him, and they seem to be random. And then you read through it and you get a full picture. You know, you, you get the complete idea and somehow it is more entertaining and comes quicker.
1: Um but- well, and it makes it made him feel more like a human being than a collection of facts and dates could do. Yeah. That's a great
0: book. When you when you go back to that sort of I'm gonna tell this story in linear time, you have this almost like the weight of historical storytelling. Uh, sort of puts a gloss on things as opposed to this life as it's lived and remembered and and recounted.
2: It's So it's the difference between something like Frank Sinatra was born in 1915 in Hoboken, and you're reading that, versus, well, you want to know about Frank? I'll tell you about Frank. And they started with a story where, like...
0: And then the last book was H-H-H-H. (laughs) <laughs> the, the, uh, which everybody tells me I have to read. I haven't read it. I read, uh, that's Laurent Binet. And I read his more recent book, The Seventh Function of Language, which I just adored and I thought was screamingly funny and wild. But this, uh, this book, everybody was talking about it when it first came out and was translated into English uh, back in 2010. And it's all about Heydrich. And it was made into the film The Man with the Iron Heart uh, around the same time that another film about the Heydrich assassination was also made here in Prague. And uh, everybody just says this book is like, that's one for the ages. Oh.
1: Yeah, such a good book. Oh, it's so good. When people ask me about the best books I've read for the show, this is in my top five. And the thing that I love about it is that, yes, it tells you a lot about World War II Prague, but this, oh my gosh, this book, like it's just a fantastic book. Regardless of where it's set, and that doesn't always happen with the books that we're recommending. You know, we're <laughs> we're trying to give everyone books set in a particular place, but this one, mm, so good. The writing is amazing, and it has a kind of wry tone to it. So it's weird to say that it's funny. It's darkly funny. It's humorous. The narrator, you know, is kind of irreverent. I guess not really laugh out loud funny <laughs> because it's sly i guess yeah and surprisingly moving because sometimes when you get that kind of removed narrator you know it's a little glossy and doesn't necessarily hit you in the feelings yeah it's fantastic <laughs>
0: Like you said, Kundera, kind of obvious. I think the same with uh, the Prague Cemetery, which was by Umberto Eco. If you're searching for books about Prague, uh, that one's probably going to come up in your search. Though that's really more about just virulent anti-Semitism through the centuries. Uh, There's a book by Arthur Phillips way back in 2002 called Prague, uh, which is actually set entirely in Budapest and all the expats living in Budapest in the 1990s. And for them, they're like, man, our lives kind of in some ways it's better, but in some ways it kind of sucks because it's fairly uncomfortable and for them prague is this promised land that someday maybe i'll escape budapest and make it to prague where everything's golden and wonderful and while those of us those of us living in prague were like oh man maybe i should go to budapest
2: yep that's a story as old as time huh the uh, the know?
0: grass is always
1: greener story
2: yeah. yeah the guys in the fertile egypt yeah. plain being like i think the other
0: fertile plain is going to be better yeah. i heard mesopotamia's happening yeah let's go
2: to the
0: euphrates uh the book that i kind of thought was an omission was Prague in black and gold by uh peter demetz which was written in the late 90s do you know the book
1: i know of it i have not read it
0: i highly recommend you read it it is the most comprehensive history of this city i've ever read
1: that's a good endorsement
0: yeah it's it's astonishing it's it's just so i mean it's it's a bit academic Um, like he's, he, at one point, you know, he's, I think he was an expat and then he was asked to come back after the Velvet Revolution and, and write this book and he was like, yeah, okay, I guess I will. And, uh, but he's, he's, he's real, he's real big on accuracy as much as possible. So he says, you know, Prague is the city of a hundred spires. Well, that's quite obviously not true. So at one point he attempts to count them all. Wow. (laughs) And I can't remember the number, but he comes up with a number and he goes, actually Prague is Prague is a city of this many spires. But then it kind of depends on what you count as a spire. And you know, <laughs> you're like, it's it's very it's it's this weird mixture of like almost boring academic writing mixed with things like that, where you're just like it's like it's like hanging out in a pub talking to a super knowledgeable Czech guy.
1: One of the challenges with Prague in particular is that People, I think, come here and are so taken with it that they get inspired to write a novel or nonfiction book set here. So the lists of books set in Prague are very long. And I have read many of them, or more accurately, parts of many of them (laughs) because so many of them are not very good. But I also have a list right now of, I think, somewhere between seven and 10 books set in Prague that came out just since we produced that episode in 2020.
0: Wow. Really?
1: Yeah. Staying on top of it is a challenge. At some point, maybe we'll revisit and add some more books to our Prague collection. when we are traveling to a place we haven't been before, one of the first things we do is look for a bookshop. It doesn't even have to be an English language bookshop. Bonus points if they have English books. Yeah. But we just love to be around the books and the bookish people.
2: Yeah. One of the things that was weird about the first time we came to Prague was realizing that Mel and I could still kill about two, two and a half hours in a bookstore whose primary language we did not understand. You know, we just (laughs) walk around and like look at the books and the kids' books.
0: I always like looking at books, you know, that like I know the the English language edition, especially if it was originally written in English. I know the cover. I know what the hardcover cover looks like. I know what the softcover looks like. And then you're in Paris and you see the French edition and you're like, whoever designed that cover? Sometimes it's awesome. And sometimes you're like, what in God's name were they thinking? Yeah. 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 It's really fun. Yes, absolutely.
1: It's like running into an old friend that has a new hairstyle. <laughs>
0: so on your website of course you have a, a rather comprehensive list of uh sort of how the website's organized and some information about yourselves including some of your favorite books and you also have uh three books that the cat smudge loves. (laughs) loves. <laughs> uh mainly mainly uh, a big book because it's good to sleep on. But uh but I noticed that one of Smudge's three favorite books is written by Miroslav Shashek, who is a or was a uh, a Czech writer of uh travel books.
1: Yeah, those books are beautiful.
0: This this is The World by Miroslav Šašek.
1: Dave's Dave's looking at me. Sorry, we're having a Meltdown on our end because Dave's looking at me because he doesn't remember what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't remember the book. Yeah, there. Um, this is the world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's lovely.
0: Did Smudge get into this book before you guys moved here? Because perhaps Smudge was subconsciously moving you towards a move to Prague all along.
2: Smudge is mysterious, um but I think uh she has that book because I bought that book because Sashak is just such. I just love his work. It's so, I don't know. Like I it has sp- a very
1: strong sense of place. It has a
2: very strong sense of place. And I like aspire to make images like that. Yeah. Just does such a nice job. Yeah. So
1: David's other alter ego is cartoonist because he went to the center for cartoon studies in White River Junction, Vermont and has a master's in cartooning Mm. so in addition to our vast library of novels that i've collected we have so many books about illustration and photography because he's sitting here nodding quietly because he won't talk about himself that much dave (laughs) is a really good illustrator you know he's the more visual of the two of us
0: so the illustrations on the website they're yours david they are yeah yeah So for those that love books, those that love travel, those that love illustrations, those that love podcasting, or those that want to fall asleep on very large format hardcover books, Strong Sense of Place has something for all of those categories and probably other people as well. Uh, Don't forget to check the episode notes for links to many of the things that we talk about in here in this uh, episode of Prog Times, as well as some of the books that uh, David and Mel have talked about and a link to their 30-page free downloadable reading atlas. Once again, check the episode notes for links to uh, the books we talked about, the podcast, and uh, so very, very much more. Thank you very much, Melissa and David, for talking to me today. Uh, you know, I guess it's going to keep going on in the future. We all live here. This stuff's continuing to go on. Technology exists. Podcasts, hey, the future is bright.
1: we live in the future yeah and it's yeah awesome it is awesome
2: okay all right okay
1: yeah all right it will be awesome again how about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) and of course once the podcast exists so once restrictions are lifted Boom, you have your next, you know, 40 holidays planned. Oh, yeah, we're set up. Reading about other places has only made me want to go
2: to other yet more places, which is, I don't know how we're going to get that done, but we're going to work on it.
0: It'll happen, man. It'll happen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times.